Turn to John chapter 15 with me, please, uh, in your Bible. I want to speak to us tonight on this topic, how to be a fruitful Christian. How to be a fruitful Christian. We're going to read the first eight verses of John chapter 15. This is a familiar passage, but I think it'll be a, a help and a blessing to you. This is something that the Lord showed me in my daily Bible reading one morning, sitting at my kitchen table, uh, and it was a challenge to me, so I've, I'd like to share this with you tonight. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Of course, we know Jesus is speaking here. Verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And here's a phrase that we, we know well in the Word of God. Jesus says, For without me ye can do nothing. Verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, verse 7 says, And my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done. That's a conditional promise. Verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is alive. It is quick. It is powerful. And Lord, it is relevant to us here tonight in 2021, every bit as much as it was the day that it was written, the day that, Lord, you spoke these words to your disciples and to the multitude. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, our hearts have been lifted have been encouraged by the songs, by the fellowship, Lord, by the sweet, sweet spirit that we sense in this place tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us now as we approach your word, that we'd put away any distractions, anything that might be occupying our hearts or our minds this evening, and that we might be able to focus completely and solely upon your word. Lord, we know you want to speak to us tonight, and Lord, we know the word of God can make the difference in our lives tonight. I pray that you'd bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for standing. Bearing fruit is the focus of this passage as Jesus is talking here to his disciples. And it's not just talking about any fruit, I don't believe. This is talking about the fruit that is produced in the life of a Christian when uh, that Christian and that Christian life brings honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. And I believe you and I, our, our purpose in life, we were created to bring honor and glory to God. If you and I are not br bringing glory to God, bringing honor to His name, then we are not fulfilling the purpose for which we have been saved. And so the Bible's very clear about this. I want to give you just a couple of thoughts. First of all, what is this fruit? What is this fruit? Now, when Jesus is giving this passage, many times uh, in the Word of God, Jesus uses a, uh, an analogy, I guess, or a metaphor, uh, what He's doing here, but He explains to us uh, of an agricultural sense. He explains a, a, uh, an object lesson here that they will very um, clearly understand. He talks about a vineyard. He talks about a branch. He talks about uh, the fruit that is on that branch and bearing fruit. And they all understood that because many of them were in that field or at least 
Uh, if they weren't in that field as farmers or husbandmen, truly that's where they got their sustenance. Maybe they uh, grew it for their own home. But he explains, first of all, that there is fruit. And then he explains that the fruit hangs on the branches. When I was a kid, uh, we used to have a grape arbor in our, in our yard. It was probably, oh, maybe 10 feet long. And it would bear grapes. And my mom would get those grapes and she would make jam and she would make jelly and she would actually make some grape juice and everything but but the fruit hangs on the branches and the branches uh, are attached to the vine and the husbandman takes care of it all so Jesus is using this analogy uh, here and he explains it to his disciples and the word of God explains it to us tonight Jesus says that that you and me we are the branches right we are uh, the children of God we are the branches he said in verse 5 ye are the branches. And then he says, I am the vine. And we need to make a distinction, of course, between the vine and the branches. And then he tells us that his father, almighty God, is the husbandman. And so the husbandman does the cutting, he does the pruning, he takes care of everything uh, for the purpose of having a good yield uh, for the fruit. So what is this fruit? And this is going to be kind of the basis of the message, and we're going to get into some other areas here. But the fruit that we're talking about here, and I know we, there's other uh, times in the Bible where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and, the, the, uh, and so on and so forth, but, and that would be certainly included in all of this. But the fruit I believe he's talking about here in John chapter 15 is simply the visible manifestations of our walk with God. Did you know if you walk with God, people ought to be able to see that? Uh, it ought to be very clear. It ought to be very obvious that you as a child of God, as a young man, a young lady, as an adult, uh, th- that you walk with God. It ought to be clear. Uh, how many of you men have been wearing your Sunday clothes maybe and you go to a gas station or something like that and people ask you, well, are you a, are you a preacher or are you a lawyer or are you a doctor? What, what are you? Well, because it's obvious that, that's, that, that there's something about you. And... Uh, I get pegged for being a preacher. I don't know. I've, I walk into a hospital and they say, you must be a preacher. And I say, I don't, I am. I don't know how you know that. I guess it's just, I've got preacher on me. I don't know. I don't know how they tell that, but uh, I like it. Anyway, I'm glad they didn't think I was a comedian or something like that. That wouldn't be very, very good. But the closer we get to the Lord, the greater our fruit bearing will be. The greater the visible manifestations of our fruit bearing will be. And so if, if somebody cannot see fruit in your life, uh, that's a telltale sign that there's something not right uh, in your walk with God. But what is it that others can see in us? What is perhaps the most visible aspect of our Christianity? That is the fruit we have. Maybe it's a kindness. Maybe it's a, a peace. And, and, and very well and very uh, uh, surely should be the fruit of the Spirit that the Bible talks about in Galatians 5, that love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, long temperance, not long temperance, long suffering, temperance, all those things. Surely those should be part of it, right? And the closer we get to the Holy Spirit of God, the more that we yield our life to His control, the more abundantly we will begin to bear that fruit. It's not something we can just say, well, I'm going to, let's see, today is a Sunday, I'm going to try to be more loving today. I'm going to try to uh, emulate that fruit of the Spirit, love. Well, without the gentleness, the goodness, the meekness, the faith, temperance, all of those, you're not going to be very loving, not for very long anyway. You might be able to do it for a while. But the Bible says in Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men, okay, that they may what? See 
your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That is a command that you and I have as children of God that we are to be visibly manifesting good works. Now don't get uh, uh, confused when I use that term good works. I was preaching in, uh, my, when I pastored in Kansas, and I had a fellow come up after the service, and he said, you're preaching a works-based salvation. I said, no, not at all. But he said, you mentioned good works several times. And I said, that's because the Bible mentions good works several times. You and I, we need to be uh, uh, full of good works. When Jesus said that we could bring forth much fruit, I believe he's saying we could do much good works. We could have good works emanating from our lives as a child of God. The closer and closer we get to Him. Now remember, we're going back to the illustration of the branches and the vine. And so we have to let our light so shine before men. That's why we're here. If, if, we, weren't to, if we were not supposed to be a witness, Jesus, we would have went to heaven the moment we got saved. He left us here to be light. He left us here to be salt. He left us here to be an example. Or I guess you could sum it up by saying He left us here to be an influence. And a, and a good influence. Okay, a, a positive influence. That word, when it says, Ye shall, They shall see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That word glorify comes from the same root word in the Greek. And I'm not a Greek scholar, I don't claim to be, but it's the same Greek root word where we get the word opinion. And so when they see our lives, they are actually forming an opinion of our Heavenly Father. By, by the way we live, they are, they are gaining a greater understanding uh, of our Heavenly Father when they see us, when they see our love and our joy and our peace, and the peace that passes all understanding, the joy that's unspeakable. We, we, can't even, uh, we can't even put it into words how that is for us. And so the Bible says in Ephesians 2, uh, 10, For ye are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So our lives should be spent with the purpose of visibly manifesting good works in our life with the intent that people would see us and glorify our Heavenly Father. Not that it should call attention to ourselves. So what is this fruit? It's the visible, manis- uh, visible manifestations of our walk with God. Secondly, what makes bearing fruit possible? What is it? that makes bearing fruit possible. Now, here's where we get into a little bit more of some detail here that might be a little bit different than maybe what some people would think here. Bearing fruit as a Christian is not automatic. It really isn't. It's not automatic. Uh, uh, All of us, I guarantee you, all of us can think of those who claim to be saved, who claim to profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they're seemingly bearing no fruit in their lives. There's no difference about them. There's nothing about them that you would say, wow, they're a Christian or there's a child of God. Maybe all of us can think of times in our own lives when we were not bearing fruit like we should have been bearing fruit. Uh, and, and maybe some would have to admit, maybe in a crowd this size, someone in here would, might have to admit, you know, I'm not bearing fruit even now. Uh, there's a lull in my life. There's a, there's a period here that I'm going through that there's, there, uh, there's a disconnection and I don't want to get ahead of myself. But, but I'm not really tapped into the source of nourishment, which is the vine. And so as a result, I'm not bearing fruit. Jesus gives us a great illustration here. He says that the fruit-bearing capability comes only when the branches... Now, remember, who are the branches? 
That's us. Jesus told his disciples, ye are the branches. He said, only when you're connected to the vine, and, and who's the vine? Jesus is the vine, right? I'm the vine, he says, ye are the branches. And so he's saying it would, just, it would be just as possible for you or me to do anything good without him as it would be possible for a branch to be severed from the tree or severed from the vine or whatever the case might be and lay there all by itself and thrive and bear fruit. You know, if you cut off a limb and just leave it lay, it, it's not going to produce fruit. Uh, it's going to wither away and die. My, my youngest son just bought a house, and he has a, a tree in his backyard, and, and he said, Dad, he said, every time I mow, it's knocking my, my safety glasses off. He says, it's just, it's crazy. He said, when you come, he invited me over for a cookout. He said, come over for a cookout, but oh, by the way, bring your chainsaw with you. Yeah, yeah anybody have kids like that? Yeah, okay. And he said, bring your chainsaw, bring your loppers, and we'll look. So I, I get there in his backyard, and there's a limb that is broken, and it is, it is obviously dying. I mean, it's all brownish. Everything else is, we've had so much rain, everything else is lush and green. But that is, that is it was broken and it was dying. And I said, what, I said, son, what happened to that? And he said, oh, I was going on it and I tried to uh, snap it off, but it ended up just breaking it in half. So half of it was alive, half of it was dead. The half that was dead was the half that was disconnected from the rest of it. Because it, it can't receive that nourishment. So I got my chainsaw and zipped off all the low-lying limbs so he could get his mower under there. But Jesus said, just like that limb. Now, every one of those limbs that I cut off, he threw to the side. Uh, and and uh, I, I haven't been back there since, but I guarantee you, they're not doing well. They're probably dead by now. They're not doing well. Why? Because they've been disconnected. The phrase, and that's exactly what Jesus said, without me... He said, ye can do nothing. That phrase, without me, simply means disconnected from me. If you're a branch and you've been disconnected from the vine, then it's not going to be. A branch cut away from the source of his existence will, will, will not live. It'll quickly wither away and die. And if, as Christians, if we separate from Christ... Now, and, and, and let me say, even saying that, a lot of people say, well, I would never do that. I would never do that. I'm saved. I'm eternally secure. And yes, you are. That's correct. But many of us in a practical sense, during times of our life, we will separate from the vine. We'll do it on our own. Anybody here in the bus ministry? The bus ministry is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful ministry. I was saved as a result of the bus ministry in central Illinois. As just a little boy, somebody came by my door and knocked on our door and asked us if we wanted to go to church, told us there'd be cookies and candies and singing and games, and I said, absolutely. What, what, what's not to like about that? Uh, I was from a, a broken home. I was from a home that there was no spiritual uh, emphasis at all. And so going to church became my outlet where I could just go and enjoy myself. And, and then uh, my pastor, Brother S.M. Davis, kind of took a, took a liking to me, kind of took me under his wing and became the father figure in my life. And, and I shudder at the thought of where I'd be had that bus worker not knocked on my door all the way back in the 70s. And uh, thank the Lord for the bus. But you know, the bus ministry can be one of the most discouraging ministries if you're not careful, because so many times we begin to do that in the energy of the flesh. 
We just go knocking on doors and this and that, and, and maybe, maybe we fail to pray, or maybe we fail to prepare, or maybe we just say, well, this, you know, anybody can do this, so I'm just going to jump into that ministry and, and do that. And when we disconnect ourselves from the Lord, we'll find out that we cannot do it without Him. Jesus said without Him, we can do nothing. We, when we separate from Christ and try to do things on our own, we will fail. Did you know that it's very possible for a preacher or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher to get into the pulpit or get behind the lectern and preach or teach in the energy of their own flesh? You know, that's very possible. And let me say, that's a lonely, lonely place to be. When you're up here without the Lord, it's a lonely place. And not only are you waiting for the service to get over, but the preacher's saying, I can't wait until this service is over because I, I've got nothing. He's up here by himself. And that is a lonely, lonely place. And so it's very possible for you and me, if we're not careful, to disconnect. And so those good works that we try to manufacture each week, Jesus said, those are only possible if you stay connected to me. So the first lesson we learn in reading this passage in John 15 is that Jesus Christ gets all the glory and the praise for all the good works that we can perform. We, we can't say, hey, look at me, I did this, or I went out and I won X number of people to the Lord, or we had, uh, you know, 120 on the bus today, or we did this, or this. You know, all that's good, and I'm for all that. But if we stand and try to praise ourselves and get the glory for that, we need to understand, Jesus said, you could not have done that without me. Staying connected to the vine, staying connected. You cannot build a church, you cannot build a Sunday school class, you cannot build a Bible college, you cannot do anything in the Christian life that's going to have a worthwhile end to it if you're disconnected from the Lord. The second thing we learn is that our good works will be in direct proportion to how much we depend upon Christ. Those works that we do not depending on Christ when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, are going to be wood, hay, and stubble. They'll be burned up just like that. They have no value. And then the third thing we see in this passage here is the reason why so many people are not living holy lives. And here's where it comes to the, uh, the, the gist of the message here. We're kind of honing in on the point I, I want to make. It's because we're not willing to look to Christ as the very source of our strength and our abilities. We really do. And I'm talking about preachers uh, uh, all, all the way, you know, all of us. Many times, we, if we're not careful, we can get caught in the rut of trying to do things on our own and trying to do things. Because what's the Bible say? Whatsoever is not of faith is what? Is sin. And you say, the, the song leader tonight did a tremendous job. I, I enjoyed that. The choir leader did a tremendous job. The choir, phenomenal job. The musicians, everything about the service was wonderful. The men's ensemble, tremendous. And, but you know, let's just be real. The pianist, the organist, the, the, the people who played the instruments, Brother Overturf on the bass over there, phenomenal. But you know, let's be honest. Can you play a piano without faith? Yeah, sure. You can play a piano. You can memorize a song and sing it without faith. You can get up here and learn how to beat the 4-4 four, four time without faith. You can do it without faith. But if you do it without faith, what does the Bible say? It's sin. You see, that's the missing piece of the puzzle that we miss so many times. I can get up and teach a class at the college. You know, I've, some of the classes, I've been there 15 years now, some of the classes I've taught four times. I could get up there with my eyes closed and teach those classes. 
it, not literally, you know what I'm saying, I'm being figurative there, but if I do that without faith, if I do that without saying, God, I need you, Lord, I need you for this class. Yes, I've taught this uh, uh, several times already. We have some of our freshman classes, well, all of our freshman classes that are taught every fall. And so the teacher that teaches some of those have been in there year after year after year after year. But you still need the help of the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to do that. And so sometimes we're not willing to look to Jesus Christ as the very source of our strength and our abilities. Every time you get on the piano, every time you sing in the choir, every time you, you work in the nursery or run a bus route or, 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 or a, a uh, serve as an usher or any other capacity, any other thing in the Christian life, you need to say, God, I need you for this. I can't do this by myself. I, 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 you, know, you might be able to do it, the function of it, but it's not going to turn out the same if you're not involved in it. And so we need to have that faith. Third point, this is the third main point, how can we bear more fruit? And that's the goal, right? To bear more fruit. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So according to this passage, there are two ways that you and I can bear more fruit, or, or at least more fruit than we could have uh, without one of these two ways. One of the ways is something that God the Father does. Look with me in verse 1. He says, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Why does he purge it? That it may bring forth more fruit. Isn't that interesting? Now, don't, don't ever think that the purging ministry uh, of God is a negative thing. It's always a positive thing. I don't necessarily understand the process of purging. I'm talking about now in a literal horticultural sense. Uh, I, planted a, uh, I planted a weeping willow in our men's dorm yard because after I put some sidewalks in, I wasn't thinking that after the sidewalks come in, the water is not draining <laughs> like it should. So the, most of the time in the men's dorm, the front yard is a, is a pond. And somebody told me, well, if you plant a weeping willow, it soaks up the water, it, it, you know, great amounts of water, more so than, than most trees. I said, well, good, well, I'll just plant uh, a weeping willow then. So I went, dug a big hole, popped that weeping willow in there. Then I came back the next spring, and I saw at the base of that willow were about a half a dozen shoots coming out of the, of the trunk of that tree. And I thought, well, that, I guess that's a good thing. It's showing there's life there. So I called the place where I bought it, a nursery, and I said, hey, here's what's going on. And I sent him a picture, and he said, yeah, those are, I think he called them volunteers or whatever he called them. He said, you need to get rid of those. I said, what do you mean get rid of them? He said, you need to cut them off. Because what will happen is they will take the nutrients that the whole tree needs, and you need to cut those off. So I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll go do my best. He explained it to me. I took little shears, and I nip, 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 nipped all those little little volunteers off or shoots or whatever, sprigs, whatever you want to call them, because that was needed in order to, for the main tree, the, the, the tree that I planted, to bear more fruit. Now, willow trees do not bear fruit, as far as I know, uh, but it, uh, they do bear some good switches, I found out when I was a child. But, uh, but that, would, that, that was very necessary. And God, our Heavenly Father, purges us or prunes us or cuts away anything that would hinder us 
from bearing righteous fruit. He removes anything that, from our lives that would hinder us from bearing fruit that would bring Him honor and glory. And so don't ever resist the purging hand of God. Any good gardener knows this principle. I'm not a good gardener. Uh, but he knows that pruning will help whatever it is become more fruitful in the long run. Many times God will allow testing and trials and, and situations in our life for the simple purpose of making us stronger down the road. He's got an ultimate goal for us. He's got an ultimate purpose for us. And so he, he knows that going through this trial will make them stronger or make us stronger. It'll help us grow and be more productive. So that's what God will do to help us bear more fruit. He purges us. But there's something that we can do as well. If you'll look in the passage, it says that we can abide. We can abide in Him. The, the, the fan is blowing my pages all around, so I don't know what verse it is, but uh, you'll find it there. Uh, verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. So the word abide is mentioned seven times in this passage that I read uh, here this evening. This word abide means to stay or to continue or to dwell. It's translated in other places in the New Testament as remain, tarry, dwell, endure, continue. And that's what it means to stay there. My wife and I live at 6804 Point View Road. We abide there. That's where we live. We've been living there now for almost 15 years. That is our place of abode. If you come and see me, I will say, welcome to our humble abode. Okay, that's where we abide. We abide in our abode. I don't know if that's proper grammar or not. Anyway, that's where we live. That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, if you come and see us, if you come and visit us, then you're visiting us, Lord willing, you haven't come to abide. My mother-in-law, when she comes... She comes to visit. And I said, no, it's not time to abide yet. That day's coming, but it's not today. You haven't come to stay. The truth is, most Christians, and this really hits us right where we live, most Christians are merely visiting God a couple of days a week. We're not really abiding in Him. And really what we have to do is have that mindset that we say, no, I'm going to abide in Him. I'm going to remain in Him. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to dwell here with the Lord Jesus Christ. And not that you have to remain physically at the church all week long. It's not, not what we're saying at all. But Jesus is clear that we will bear more fruit if we abide in Him. Jesus is the place of our abode. We are going to abide with Him. In fact, as one of the hymns says, abide with me. Right? We, we sing that hymn. A key truth that we need to grasp this evening is that the vine is not a place. The vine is a person. We need to abide. Jesus said, abide in me. And if my words abide in you. So Jesus is not just the place of residence. He's the person of the residence. And so Jesus, the vine, is where you dwell, where you remain, where you stay, where you continue. This is our stopping point. This is where we arrive. We, we have this relationship with Him and we say, this is where we're going to stay. I'm going to stay attached to that vine. I'm going to receive the nourishment of the vine. I'm going to receive all the sustenance there. I can't do it apart from the vine, so I'm staying right here every day. Not, not taking some days off, not saying, well, I'm going to abide in the vine most days, but 
There are areas in which that I don't want to abide in the vine. The secret of the Christian life, if there is a secret, it's not really a secret, it's in the Word of God, it is abiding in Christ. And so make your walk with God your highest priority. Make your relationship with God the most important thing in your life. So how is that possible? How can we make Jesus our everything? How can we make Him uh, uh, the, the most important thing of our life? Think, think of it like this. Many people view their relationship to the Lord as simply the diving board into the pool of the Christian life. Okay, they, they believe that Jesus is the diving board and He's the springboard and He's the way you enter into the pool of life, the pool of the Christian life. Now, Jesus teaches that He's the only way uh, to the Father. He's the only way to salvation. He's the only way to heaven. And so in that sense, yes, uh, He's the diving board. But here's what we need to remember, and this changes everything about our perspective. He's not only the diving board, He's the pool. We're jumping into Him. We're jumping into a relationship with Him. We're jumping into a dependency with Him. That it's, it's more than just the diving board. We're jumping into Him. What happens when you jump in a pool? You are totally and completely immersed by that water, if you jump in the deep end, I guess. Uh, we, were, we were out on vacation one time, and, and uh, I was trying to get a little exercise. I knew we were going to be eating a lot on that vacation. I said, well, I'm going to try to go down to the pool. It was an outside pool. I'm going to get there before anybody gets there. Nobody wants to see this in a swimming pool. So I, I, I'm going to go before anybody gets there. And uh, it, was, it was not a very deep pool. And... Uh, so I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I can't swim above the water because it's, you know, it's just not working. So I'm going to hold my breath, and I'm going to try to swim on, underwater all the way there and all the way back. I thought that would give me a good cardio workout plus a full body work. I'll be kicking my feet, kicking my hands, all of that. And so I said, okay, here we go. I got some big, deep breaths, sucked in some big, deep breaths. You remember when we, do, when we were kids, tried to do that? And so I was on the edge of the pool, and, and you know, it's probably, I don't know, three foot. And so I jumped in. And I was going to make a big sweep, and I, I went down too far to the bottom, and my knuckles scraped the bottom of that pool and took all the skin. You can still see scars on my knuckles. So for the whole vacation, I had scars on my knuckles. But let me say this. Nobody came up and approached us at all during that vacation. They said, no, let's stay away from this guy. <laughs> he must be pretty tough. Look at those knuckles. But anyway, it was painful, brother. Over turf, let me tell you, it was very painful. But... When we understand the Christian life, Jesus is saying that we need to dive in. We need to get involved. So many people think that we have to perform well to please God, or we have to follow a step-by-step -step program to be successful in the Christian life. And the problem with that is when we have that mindset, then our Christian life becomes mechanical. It becomes dutiful. It becomes something, well, I'm going to read my Bible just to check off a, a, a chapter. It, it becomes all about doing things. And then we're taught to do, do things, and then we'll have a great relationship with the Lord. When I was a bus kid, and I started getting into my teen years, I, I learned right away, if I'm going to have a, a good relationship with the, with the people at the church, then I'm going to have to look like everybody else. So I, I'm, I'm a bus kid. We didn't have, there was not a tie to be found in our family. So I asked Brother Davis, I said, hey, can you get me a tie? Can you teach, teach me how to tie a tie? I got my hair cut like Brother Davis cut his hair. I wore a tie. Got a, I talked my mom in to get me a white shirt. And I started looking the part. 
But let me say, it does, it's more important than just looking the part. That there's more to the Christian life than doing things. Amaziah, I preached on Amaziah a few weeks back uh, at church, and the Bible says, Amaziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. So he said, the Bible says he was doing everything right, but his heart wasn't in it. And if we're not careful, we can begin doing and doing. And I'm for doing. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm for doing. I'm for doing things right. I'm for obeying and following the things we've been taught. I'm for doing right. I'm for reading our Bible and praying. I'm for soul winning. I'm for serving. I'm for all of these things. I'm for standards. Everything. I'm for that. But these will not replace our need of abiding in Christ. We have to abide in Him. We can't just do things. We can't just become something superficial and say, well, that's all that's needed. No, because we're disconnected from the vine. We have to stay right there. That's why so many uh, uh, Christians are frustrated and discouraged and up one day and down the next. It's because we are simply trying to produce fruit without abiding in the vine. And it's a futile attempt here. So how is it that one person in church can read their Bible each morning and pray and attend the services and their spiritual life is vibrant and rich and fresh and enjoyable and another person who comes and maybe they're reading their Bible and they're praying and they attend the services but, but their spiritual life is stagnant and dull and they have to talk themselves into coming to church. Well, because... One person, they, they've attached themselves to the vine and say, God, I can't do this without you. I need this Sunday morning service. I need the fellowship of God's people. I need to be encouraged by the singing, the songs of Zion, and the, uh, hear the choir sing. And I need the fellowship of God's people because I can't do this by myself. Whereas the other person says, well, this is just my duty. It's Sunday night. I need to be there. There's a big difference. Uh, and you see, one is, one is just reading, like I said, to check off the chapters in a Bible reading plan. The other one is saying, God, your word is so important. I need you. I need you to, to, to speak to me today, and I need to have a touch from you. One is abiding in Christ. One is seeking a genuine relationship with the Lord. And the other is just going mechanically through the motions. Probably all of us can relate to the times in our own lives when we've mechanically gone through the motions of the Christian life. And that, when that happens, that's why church is no longer enjoyable. I couldn't even imagine in my wildest dreams somebody coming here tonight and not enjoying the service. Well, at least up until the preaching time anyway. And uh, well, I've had a time of my life tonight. And they're going to go out with good friends afterwards, and it's going to be even better. I mean, not that sounded horrible, but I mean, it's just going to continue, just going to continue the good evening. What a great evening this is. And so we need to understand that we have to abide. Uh, and the key to living a fruitful Christian life and having a real, genuine, enjoyable walk with the Lord is understanding what it means to abide in Christ. He's not just the diving board. He's not just the way to get into the Christian life uh, and our means to get into the pool and then we no longer have a connection with Him. No, he, he, He's not just that. He is the pool. When we jump in, He is our everything and, and we're totally immersed in Him. We're totally, in, He encompasses us. He is our everything. Colossians 2.6 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And what this verse is saying, Paul said, Just as we were saved, the same way we got saved, now we're supposed to walk in Him. You remember when you got saved? It's not two different ways. It's not two different paths. Not two different solutions. You received Him in humility 
and total dependency and say, God, I can't, I can't make it on my own. I can't get to heaven on my own. I need you to come into my heart and to be my personal Lord and Savior. I want you to save my wretched soul. I need you. I cannot do this without you. I cannot. Uh, eternity's out of reach for me. I need you. Paul said, just like that, you need to walk in Him in your uh, daily life. You, you need to say, Lord, I can't do today without you. Can't do it. I don't know what we're going to face tomorrow, but we need Him. We can't disconnect. We can't unplug when we leave here tonight. We can't unplug and say, okay, uh, Lord, uh, you got Sunday and you got Wednesday night. I'll take care of the rest. No, that's not abiding in Him. That's frustration. We need to say, Lord, I need you for every step I take today. I cannot live this life apart from you. Now, that's not a one-time thing. That's an everyday thing. When we wake up in the morning, we're going to have to do it all over again. The next day, the next day, as long as we're here on earth, abiding in Him is acknowledging that we can't be the husband that I need to be unless I'm attached to the vine. Abiding in Him means, ladies, you understand, you cannot be the wife you need to be unless you're attached to the vine. Parents, grandparents here tonight, we cannot be what we need to be if we're not attached to the vine. Now, we try so many other ways, and we try to do it in our own power. We try to listen to this person, listen to that person. I told somebody that when we were raising our kids and trying to discipline them right and, and correct them, uh, we bought a book by James Dobson. And it worked very well because it was thin enough. You could smack them and it really wouldn't, uh, it really wouldn't hurt them that bad, but it would sting enough where it'd get their attention. That was supposed to be funny. I guess that's not funny here anyway. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what we need is the Word of God. We need to be connected to the vine. I can't be the right kind of parent. I can't be the right kind of grandpa. I can't be the right kind of husband. I cannot be the right kind of uh, a college administrator. I can't even be the right kind of friend. For my friends, if I'm not connected to the vine and have that deep connection. What did, what did Jesus say uh, that, that if we try to do it on our, by ourselves, we, we, we think we know better uh, what we're supposed to do and we know how we're supposed to act and we know how we're supposed to defeat temptation. We feel like we can handle it. Notice in verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye... You're just like that branch that has tried to, tried to exist without the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And here's the key again. For without me, ye can do nothing. Not a little bit. Not some things. Nothing. Nothing in us has value apart from our connection to the vine. So the simple question tonight for all of us, are we bearing fruit tonight that Jesus said would glorify the Father? If not, the only way to do that is simply to abide in the vine. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we know that your word is exactly what we need tonight. Lord, and we need that abiding uh, lifestyle that we can have with you Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us. Lord, I know many of us in this room have been saved for years and years and years. And Lord, that's not the point tonight. The point isn't whether or not we've been saved. The, the, the question that we need to ask ourselves is simply this. Are we abiding in the vine? Are we abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ? So Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and way in this invitation. Lord, speak to hearts and 
Let the Holy Spirit have free reign in our midst tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, and if you need to come this evening and do business with God, we'd invite you to come to the altar, How whatever your custom is here, and do business with God. If you want to kneel right where you're at, whatever the case might be, we just ask that you do business with God. And ask yourself, is there a part of my life that I have not given to Him completely? Is there a part of my life that I've disconnected as a child of God? Without Him, He says we can do nothing.